thank you for coming to episode three and listening. We have our good friend Lauren Hermanson here today. Hello! On this episode of Talking Mules, we're really excited. So thank you, Lauren, for coming and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. I love seeing your cute dogs. Oh yeah, of course. They're I, the best. I cornered her in public to be like, yeah. hey, I got a podcast. <laughs> you want to do it? All shady like a weed deal. Like, hey, no. I have a podcast now. Come on it. I actually made a joke about That's it yesterday. Great, great. Some kid was like, oh yeah, you have a podcast now? I was like, every millennial has a podcast now. That's I saw so a tweet. True. A tweet was like, we have a podcast is the 90s equivalent of let's start a band. It's pretty oh, yeah. essentially. That's so true. Or it's like that coked up guy at a party who's like, let's start a business, man. Let's start a, <laughs> start a podcast. Yeah. So Rob and Lauren work at Publix together. That's like the Woo! yeah Publix. Big fans of Publix. It's really funny, this is a Publix though, household because like it's such a corporate conservative business. And yeah, we're the antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. it's really weird because I'll be like, yeah, Publix is the best, and then you see on the news Publix donated millions of dollars to stop medicinal marijuana or something like that, and we're like, no. they support Publix. like Putnam, that yeah. asshole guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so those commercials they like so donated to the NRA and stuff. Yeah. Those commercials are so funny. But they make good subs, so... But they make good subs, and they pay me a livable wage, kind of. Not really. I've been there for two years, I make $9.65 an hour. Are you kidding me? The (laughs) the Publix in Tallahassee gave me a bigger raises than any other Publix. I remember I had my I had the one review with um the old manager Justin the one that looked like he was forty. <gasps> oh my god, he was twenty five. Yeah. This man, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, like I swear to God, I thought he was at least in his thirties, and he had like, it didn't help that he had like yellow teeth from like oh, yeah. smoking and stuff like that. He was twenty, like Seven. six, twenty seven. Oh my god. <laughs> and he sounded like Mister Rogers come in. Hey buddy. And it's super. You want to come in here? I do a little. Little uh, eval for you. I like the way you hold your cart, man. You go uh, two hands out the door. <laughs> He's just a sweet guy. That's very accurate. It's nice to be complimented on the way you hold carts. Yes. You just get a good grip. Two plus two, baby. Two All hands, right. two steps. Oh, oh hell yeah. yeah. All right, let's get down to brass tacks, yeah. y'all. So, Lord Hermanson has a freaking IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> we are dealing with a true actress. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> yeah, flirted. Burt Reynolds flirted with her. So <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's like that was the up best here day of my life. in female actress that's territory. Inti- that's intense. Yes. So we first want to know like what made you realize that's the path you wanted to go down? Well, so when I was a kid, I was really, really loud and obnoxious. Um, yeah. And I didn't really have, yeah, retweet. <laughs> I didn't have um, an outlet for it at all. And my parents put me in ballet, which obviously didn't work because that's discipline. And I did not have that. I wanted more like creative range. Um, they put me in soccer, which I didn't like. Um, so they basically were just trying a bunch of different things about what would get this crazy energy out of me. And I started going to theater camps, which were really, really fun. And that was a perfect outlet for me being a creative center of attention diva um but then we went to Chris McAuliffe middle school and they didn't have a drama club or anything like that and I stopped going to summer camps so that was like a huge period of time where I wasn't doing any acting and I didn't know what I wanted to do and then Park Vista rolled around um and they also didn't have a drama club so then me and a bunch of other students we created one and we just got a bunch of kids together who wanted to do it, who wanted to put on plays, and we found a sponsor. Shout out to Mr. Van Meter. Oh, he was the um, bald guy, right? Yes, Mr. Van Meter, he's the reason why we were allowed to have it, because we had enough kids who wanted to do it, but if we didn't have a teacher sponsor, then we couldn't do it. So he finally was like, let's do it. And we started it, and we put on plays, and they were pretty successful, like with our parents and whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And then we had the class my senior year, and now they're still doing the class. There's a drama class at Park Vista. So because of you guys, now Park Which Vista has cool, a yeah. drama club, a drama class. That's so awesome. Which is dope. I like the trend of her just starting things that are really powerful. Like <laughs> theater club, like movements. It's yeah. really awesome. Theater clubs, movements, you know. That's the Mover and a shaker. So <laughs> when you tell people that that's your goal, you want to be an actress, what's the general <laughs> response that you get? So... It's so funny that you say that because Publix is probably the place where I have to, like, explain myself the most. And being in a creative field, as opposed to something more stable, you feel like you have to defend your passion. You have to defend your goal for life, which sucks. Because usually if I'm just like, oh, I want to be an accountant. So I want to be like, okay. But if I'm like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. I'm moving to New York. They're like, so you're going to be a waitress. That's what you're going to be. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do theater. I'm going to act. I'm going to, you know, do whatever. And, I don't know, people, a lot of people just think, for some reason, that arts, there's no place for it, but they don't notice your movies, your music, your advertising, everything is art, and people are doing that, and those are people who you told couldn't do art, and now they're doing it. I feel you on that one, though, because I had to explain my, what I want to do to somebody at at Publix. I want to be a writer. He's like, oh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make money? Exactly. They all want to know how you're going to monetize your art. Yeah. But it's not what it's about. It's about your passion. You want to do something you love. I want to write about stories about people doing drugs and then with a cool story arc or something. Maybe they can fly on (laughs) on golden elephants or something because that's what I love to do. Because that's art, man. I'm not doing it just so I can have a house, but eventually I'd like to have a house. (laughs) Uh, People, I hate having to explain, like you said, explain what I love Mm -hmm. because I love it. Yeah. Is explaining it, and you feel like you have to have your five-year plan ready to go because they're like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm moving to New York. And they're like, where are you going to live? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to live in Brooklyn. They're like, do you have a job lined up? And I'm like, no, I'm moving in six months. I don't have a job lined up. Like, and I just have to have my entire life plan completely mapped out for people. And that's something I've even noticed, too, with any field you're trying to get into. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was trying to go into environmental policy, activism, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. First of all, people need to have a full explanation of everything. Yes. And, you know, I really didn't know which route I was going to take or what I was going to do. And people expect you to know everything. And it's it's not the same as when our parents, you would graduate high school. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go to college to get a good job. You could yeah. start at the bottom of a company, work your way up for 20 plus years, get a good pension, and then retire. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it was. And that's now right. it's nothing is like that anymore. So everyone jumps around job to job that's just like the world that we're in now yeah exactly and my my job that pays the bills is most likely for a long time not going to be the job that makes me happy I'm gonna have to work and uh, hustle a little bit so I can do what I love but you'll do well at that too because you're charming uh <laughs> I do try well no, you'll get all the tips the cause... Publix now that's what I need if I could get tips at Publix I would finesse those old <laughs> if people you ever, if you ever become a waitress though you will get all the tips yes I like, can't wait. I do want to do that when I go. You have to, to learn your fake voice, though. Cause my customer service voice. Yeah. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> may, may I take that for you? Would you like me to put that under the uh, command? <laughs> you gotta turn your head. As you, you sound say like it. SpongeBob when you do that. Like, can I take your hat, sir? Can <laughs> I take your hat, sir? Sir. <laughs> exactly. That's the best one. But uh, yeah, well, we met Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I saw that picture. You we, lucky we asshole! Lunch, how we had lunch with him. So that was basically Please Rob's, like, make-a-wish. Oh, cool. <laughs> so um, our Rob's godfather 
lives in the Philadelphia area mm-hmm. and is a Irish Catholic man, and apparently they're all related, so uh, that's his cousin's kid, is Rob McElhenney. That's so funny. Yeah. So, basically, I talked to him when he went to theater school. He waited for years and years until he sold his show. Mm-hmm. And basically, that that's like, that's the dream for me, is to either become an actor or a com- comedian or a writer for a television yeah. show, and he just... He said, good luck. I hope it works out for you. And I just, I'm kind of carrying on that wave of Tony Sony <laughs> all, all the way to the top. Ride that wave. Oh, when I will, in every pitch meeting, I was like, oh, the cancer survivor. Oh, <laughs> I think my, so. my, out, my you know, input could really contribute to the show. <laughs> no, but, I um, want to use my pain to make people happy. Well, no. And I think <laughs> when I graduate, you'll still be in New York and I'll come and see you. Yeah, you for can, sure. You can be an actress in one of my films. Um, yeah. That sounds so sketchy, though. Yeah, it's a network. That's the whole thing. Is yeah. It's who you know. Which like, it's all about. It's scary how, like, a lot of it is luck. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But I think it's so cool anxious. that we have, like, she could be so many roles. Because, you know, there's such a wide range for women to play now. It's I love it. Because there used to be limited to one, like, the damn woman. Yeah. But now she can be the entire female. She can mm-hmm. be the struggling working mom. There was there was the mom, the slut, the virgin, um, the hot girl, the all the stereotypes. Yeah. Wow. There's always the mom folding laundry. Like, whenever yep. I see a scene of a mom folding laundry, like, waiting for her husband <laughs> to come home, I lose my mind. I'm like, I can't. It's Why too is much. it always laundry? Yeah. She can't have that much laundry to do. So, that, that brings us to, what was your favorite role you played, or a role you would love to do? Um, I did a show last spring, not this, my first year at FSU. Um, that spring, we did a show called Killer Joe. Which, have you ever seen the movie, You of All People? I, I've heard of it. With, the Matthew with McConaughey. McConaughey. I know yeah. who you played, though. Oh, yeah. I played Dottie, which was the best role I ever had. It was so much fun. Because for me, being a short, blonde, kind of young-looking person, I always get cast as, like, the naive little girl. Or I'm, like, the 12-year-old in the show. Or I'm, like, the love-struck, like, mm, I just want a boyfriend. Like, that's usually what I have to play. So this is the first time that I got to play a character that was super, super um, complex and had, like, a lot of different layers. Um, Basically, the show is about this white trash trailer park family in Dallas, Texas, who they're just, like, the scum of the earth. The the son is a drug dealer. The dad, like, beats the mom. The stepmom is, like, cheating on the husband. It's just all a mess. But then there's the daughter who – and it's really interesting. Something I liked about it was that – Every actress plays her really different because it's really ambiguous what's going on in her head. She could be played like she's mentally challenged. She could be played like she's just like a little ditzy. Or she could be played like she's the smartest person in the play. Her lines are super ambiguous like that. So I chose to make her the smartest person in the room. Um, and everyone else in the, in, the, in the show is so dumb that they don't notice and they think that she's dumb because of that. Yeah. Um, but basically she's just like this really special girl who like is dealing with this really shitty family. And the family devises this plan to hire an assassin to murder the mom for her life insurance policy. Oh my god. (laughs) So they hire this cop who kills people on the side called Killer Joe. And he comes in, and of course they can't pay him up front. And they give him Dottie. Because he and Dottie have this weird, like, connection that's definitely, like, statutory rape. But it's really ambiguous and weird. Um... And then everything goes wrong, of course, and there's betrayal, and there's backstabbing. And it's just mm-hmm. a, it's just such a cool play. But her character was just the best I ever played because it was so complex and it was so, like, different. That's so fun. I love hearing about that. Yeah, it's a dope show. 
I have it. I have like a video of it if you guys Ooh, want to see yeah, it. Yeah, send it to us. I have sure. it on my laptop. I'll, I'll figure out how to send it. The file might be too. We'll figure it out. Um, so before you came here, uh, Rob like worries that his voice with like the surge and everything is a little funky. So we were doing like theater vocal warm-ups yes. before we got here. I remember, yeah. And it was so fun and funny. And I was thinking we could say some of them. Oh, you actually want to do it? So what's yes. one that you do before? Like tongue twisters or like vocal like um, both. Both, yeah. Both? So we were doing more tw- tongue twisters, but I'm mm-hmm. down to listen to... I was telling Rob that my biggest problem, an acting teacher would say, is that I speak in my head voice and I have a very like high-pitched sound. So they always encourage me to like bring my sound down here. So I always have to go, no, no, and like physically bring, go, no, and like bring it down. Yeah. Is it more of a mental thing or is it an actual transference of your voice? It's like, well, kind of both because I'm, I'm visualizing it going, but it's not literally. So it's a state of mind where you're trying to get in that zone of, Mm -hmm. oh. But it's also, yeah, when you speak from like, because, okay, I did cheerleading in high school and I was like, all right, speak from your like. Like from your diaphragm, your diaphragm, say it from your chest. Yeah, say that it was basically it. So I got really good at being super loud. I was the one that would like call it at the beginning, so all twenty-five girls could hear. Yes, it was so funny because people would be like. And now, like, I use, the time I use that is, like, during marches and walks. I'm the one that starts, like, those silly chants. It was Hell so yes. Yeah, I did that at the March for Our Lives walk. It was so fun. Hell yeah. I love that. That was so fun. I love yelling loud. I don't do it often, but when I do it, it's oh. such a freeing it feeling. It feels so good. It's like crying, but angrily. <laughs> angrily. I have so, rage, but I don't want to cry. <gasps> and then what's, like, a tongue twister you would do? We do, like, there's the long ones that we do. We do, like, the basic, like, um, oh, what was the, there's one, there's ones that go on for probably, like, half a page that they want us to memorize sometimes, but mostly we do, like, little short ones that we just, like, spurt out, like, unique New York or Irish wristwatch. Uh, and just little ones like that. Yeah. I like that. Unique New York, Unique Irish New York. Red wrist leather, wrist yellow watch. leather. Red leather, yellow we, leather. We were doing that one. Yeah. And I can't have a hard time doing it. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. I, ha- I yeah. hate it because... Irish wristwatch is hard. The only thing that I can't really do lately is my S's. They all sound like I got a problem. <laughs> I haven't noticed at all. Oh, I, I don't know, because when you're so used to hearing your own voice a certain way, and then uh, one day it just changes, like it's all you think about. Yeah. So it's like... Understandable yeah. for sure. My favorite one that we did say was the lips, the teeth, the yep. teeth, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. Yeah, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. <laughs> what we're speaking of like kind of tongue twisters, I watched this like show from the UK called The Toast of London, where oh, the guy's yeah. name is Stephen Toast. He does voiceovers, and he's the whole thing. It reminds me of this. I want to be a voiceover actor yes. too. Yes, we did that in my film acting class too. We had a whole week that was just dedicated to that. That's just hard. It's difficult, man. It's you, fun. Because you can't trip up, and you got to yeah. be clear and concise. Mm-hmm. Stephen bloody toast. <laughs> and in a way, like, the basic principle of the film acting class was that don't overact, because in theater you can get away with more expression and whatever, but film acting you want to make it subtle, and every little thing has to be subtle or else it's too much because the camera's right there, um, and it picks up on literally everything your face does. Um, so then it's the complete opposite with voice acting. They want you to overact. So that was hard because all semester I'm told not to overact because that's like probably with film acting my biggest thing to work on. And then at the last second they're like, voice acting, overact. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you've just trained me not to do that. Well, and when, then, you, when you would record, you would actually have to do the emotion. Like even mm-hmm. though they can't see it, you would get full oh, yeah. of the character. If you have to be like breathy, you like want to like run in place and stuff. 
Um, and there was there was one I was doing. It was like a Sean Connery like kind of thing. <laughs> and he's like, the teacher's like, I want it more wet. I want it more like ugh, like shaky. And I'm like, okay. So I got a glass of water and I like filled my mouth up with a little bit of water and I went Sean Connery and I like shook my throat and like gargled the water. And he's like, there you go. And I'm like, that's what they do all day. It's just these weird things. I love that. Oh, that yeah. looks so fun. That's my favorite mm-hmm. accent. I'm glad you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Some people can't do it. So. Alex Trebek. <laughs> Your mother's a cow, Trebek. Mother's a cow. What uh, sound does a dog make? Moo. No. That's what your mother said last night, Trebek. <laughs> the key to a good Connery, though, is you gotta get, because you either get, like, the weird brogue and forget the Scottish, or yeah. you'll do over Scottish. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, what's going on with my oh, Yes, yes, money printer. Yes, he's like, yes. Yes. Every nose in the ass is a yes. I saw that in his family guy. It was so bad. Remember that joke? I don't remember. Because he was really rapey in the 60s. Because in the movie Ooh, Goldfinger, yeah. he actually, like... Oh, God. Yeah, it's bad. He did? I didn't know that. Well, not that actor. The oh, character, oh, oh. James Bond, was oh. like... Like, they were in, like, a barn, and he was like, no, no, and they just kissed, and then it ended up happening, and I was like, that's some 60s soldier. That is such a classic trope in, like, golden age movies. The woman's like, no, 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 and then the man kisses her, and she's like, okay, yes. I and I'm like, that's your dangerous. Charm. She's like, oh, you've convinced me with your lips. Well, yeah, that's the whole idea is like, oh, if you keep asking yeah. enough times, they're going to say yes, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, just accept the no. Accept the first no. Yeah, they don't, they don't want that. So it's not convince me. Be a man, just go to Denny's and have a good night. And have a good <laughs> night at Denny's. Oh my gosh. So yeah, but so kind of where we're going with that is Hollywood is definitely associated with a lot of mm-hmm. sexism and misogyny Ooh. and all of that stuff. So I'm sure you have experienced <laughs> that. Yeah. Every time, every time something in the headlines comes out, I probably say the same thing to myself. I'm like, am I really choosing voluntarily to go into this business? This sucks. But it does give me hope that if it feels like it's getting better, at least now people are getting called out, which I love. Um, if you look up online, there's these websites that, um, <laughs> that sorry, um, there's these websites that you can look up any movie or any band or any. Uh, like group of people or whatever any artist and they'll tell you if there was ever any sexual assault allegation on them oh that's cool so like i've just plugged in the first movie i thought of i plugged in like school of rock and no one in the movie was associated with sexual assault and i'm like fuck yeah and that is a fantastic movie so it's really good to know i was good to know it's scary though you don't want to type in like your favorite movie and have it just shattered what is that Um, website called that sounds so so um i'll look it up for you okay because i can't remember but it's on my twitter somewhere how often do you see like rotten apples that's what it is. Uh, play oh. off Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, I think it's awesome. Rotten Apples. Like, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. But that how often, apple. How often yeah. do you find a movie where there are sexual allegations, but like you love the movie so much, you're yeah. in like, a state of conflict? My my, that's a huge conflict that I always have, and my kind of compromise with myself is that I'm just not going to spend money on it. Like I'm not going to spend money to go see the new Harry Potter because of Johnny Depp. Um, but I want to see. I love Harry Potter, and I want to see the universe. I just don't. Why the fuck did you cast him? Um, so I'm not going to pay to go see it and give my money to that and support it monetarily, but I want to see it because I love Harry Potter. Oh my gosh, yeah, me too. Why did they cast him? The thing about, I already saw the movies I want to see with Kevin Spacey, so I'm kind of good now. I know, mm-hmm. that was with mm-hmm. us, our family, 
like Kevin Spacey movies were like what we would sit yeah. together and watch. Usual, usual suspects. Fantastic. And, um, what was the one I'm thinking of? American Beauty. Those yeah. are two beautiful movies. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really hard to separate the the artist from the person. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because his art is beautiful, but his actions are reprehensible. Yeah. So you don't know where that gap is. And that's a huge problem that a lot of like people struggle with is if they can separate the art from the person. Um, and sometimes I don't know, but that that's that's why I make that compromise is that I'm not gonna give that person my money and I'm not gonna post online. Oh my god, this actor Kevin Spacey is so good. You guys should look him up and watch his movies. Like I'm not gonna promote him and I'm not gonna give him money. But it's it, at that point it's hard to avoid. It's, yeah. it's hard to if you're gonna avoid every movie with someone who was accused of sexual assault. You're <laughs> there's you're nothing not to watch. Good movies to watch. <laughs> oh, but isn't it so course. refreshing though that this is the generation where it just kind of stops where it's like oh it just happens. It won't be like that anymore in the next five to ten years. It I hope yeah. so. It I hope so too. It won't just be the way it is because now everyone's getting called out and everyone's yeah. losing their jobs. Yep. So what do you guys think of um, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy eh. losing his job over like silly Did, dumb tweets that dude, he yeah. made? Was he doing like fake jokes about pedophilia or something? Yeah, he was yeah. like making a joke about someone else like so it was it, those those were weird and i didn't necessarily agree with them fire it's like to me and i come from fsu the theater culture there it's very uh you make one mistake and you're canceled and you're done and i don't disagree with that because you can't dictate where someone's from if you were growing up in white suburbia you're gonna fuck up and say something that you don't think is ignorant and you don't think yeah. could be portrayed as racist or whatever but someone should educate you and be like, hey, man, doing that has a negative connotation. Like, you should be careful. It could hurt people. Give them a chance to learn. Yeah. And give them a chance to grow. And don't cancel them outright because chances are they don't know. If they grew up in white suburbia, they don't know that certain things are microaggressions or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it just sucks because the culture really was really different 10 years ago in regards to what jokes people could make. Like, Tosh.0 could never be a show now. You know, like, yeah. he he said some offensive shit. He's pulled back now. Yeah, which is smart of him. Well, and because Anthony Jeselnik was yes, talking about this too, and so he's known for saying ridiculously mm-hmm. super offensive things, and his jokes that he does in his stand-up are kind of similar to what, what was his first name, last, his last name's Gunn. Sean Gunn. James Gunn. James Gunn. Yeah. Is Sean Gunn his brother? No. But it makes me think about that one guy from the runway show, but... Never oh, Tim, Tim Gunn? Tim Gunn, <laughs> so Tim Gunn guns. would never. Would never. Designer. Tim Gunn designer. is an angel. Designers, make it work. Designer, please. But my favorite <laughs> thing, um, I forgot my point. But, oh, my um, oh, what I was saying is, when you were, when I was in middle school, when probably when you were in middle school too, young white boys, we don't really understand the connotation yeah. of anything. We, mm-hmm. we hear something that we think is funny and we yep. say it. We yeah. just say it because we want laughs. We think, oh, mm-hmm. this is edgy. This is funny because we're in a weird state of identity crisis. We don't know who we are yet, yeah. so we're like trying to find our way. Through. Even boys now, like <laughs> yeah, I when I was in high school, even I had some friends that would say some messed up racist shit. But yeah. it was just, I kind of, I feel bad that I was, I would shrug it off. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to because nobody wants to be the one that call somebody out yeah especially when you don't you don't know and that like we've all done it there's people i know who are the most pc people in the world but they still said like the f slur when they were fucking in middle school because that's what yeah. people said and they said stuff like that well guys say it to each other a lot especially yeah. in high school cause exactly if, so you don't come out they call you that or they call you a they call you a pussy can i say that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he has me <laughs> I, I, I well she's like my listen like, rob 
she's like my PC publicist. Like, like, <laughs> can I say pussy on this one? But no, it's bad because mm-hmm. there's such a, well, the whole thing with pussy that is like, yeah. woman, so they're calling you not mm-hmm. manly, the, or they're the opposite of masculine. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I don't know if this is a point, but I saw this video where men read the definition of masculinity. Yep. Oh, I and, saw that, yeah. And they're like, I don't fit any of these. Mm-hmm. And I, it really inspired me because masculinity is defined by yourself. Be, be it your own features or the way you want to present yourself, mm-hmm. you can be masculine in your own way. Yeah. You can wear a fucking dress like John, Jonathan Van Ness. I was just yeah. going to be manly as fuck because that guy yeah. slaps on the fucking table. Yep. I love that fucking <laughs> yes, guy. Yes, he does. I curse. Yeah. I curse. My dad recommended I don't curse, but I'm going to oh, do it anyway. damn. I've cursed a couple times. I'm sorry. No, we, I, he said that? Sorry, Dad. <laughs> okay, so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I always, when I think about, like, the scale of, like, masculinity to femininity, Jonathan Vanessa is a perfect example because mm-hmm. he yeah. manages to Dude, look no. like Jesus, but yeah. also be, like, super, super feminine. And I don't know. I just, I love He's the perfect example yeah. of well, how fluid it is, and it so doesn't himself. matter. It's so fluid. When you look at Jonathan Van Ness, yes, you look at his face. He has masculine facial hair mm-hmm. and facial features, but he's also very, like, kind of smooth and statuesque. And then the way his body <laughs> is, he's, like, not crazy fit, but he, like, still has a masculine look to him. Yeah, he, he's he doesn't healthy. wax off his chest hair. I oh, love God. that. I love <laughs> chest hair so much. And, um, <laughs> but I think it, it inspires me because now we can be whatever we want without yeah, exactly. fear of judgment. Because you know what? There's always going to be a guy in our 2004 Ford F-150 that's going to call you <laughs> yes. the F-slur. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Yeah. You, they're insecure about their, their own masculinity. So yeah. they had to displace that onto you because you're wearing yeah. skinny pants. You look good as good as hell. Yep. But yeah. they don't like that. They got to wear their dirty-ass Wrangler jeans. Because that's what makes them a man. <laughs> I, I dip because I love mouth cancer. That's so silly. <laughs> Alright, separate point. Whenever I <laughs> see people smoke, I uh-huh. guilt them. Be like, you know, I had a uh, mm-hmm. cancer before. You shouldn't be doing that in front of me. And yeah. I, I love just slipping that oh, little, yeah. little fuck you. Little, thing. Uh, put that in there. Oh, yes. They deserve You shouldn't be smoking in 2018. There's no reason to smoke yeah. cigarettes Even in 2018. Jeweling is, dumb. is basically peer pressure. It's like, do you want to jewel, bro? Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, dude. Okay, so let's bring this back. Yes. I really want to talk to you, Lauren, about this movement you started on Twitter. (laughs) So there is a whole hashtag dedicated to Lauren. It was hashtag I stand with Lauren, right? Yes. yes. And so just tell us about how that started and just what evolved from that. I got you. Okay. So my my whole senior year at FSU, um, it started in fall where I was assaulted by a student that was in a show with me. I was in Cat in the Hat. I was assaulted by um, a fellow cast member and I didn't report it until January because, you know, there's the whole when – it's, when it's, like, acquaintances, there's the whole pressure of, like, acquaintance rape where you don't know. And, like, it was one of those things where it's so unclear and they're your friend and they're, they're acting like everything's normal, so you yeah. should be acting like everything's normal. And it wasn't until I heard that the same student, um, he was groping girls at parties. He straight up raped an unconscious woman. Um <sighs> he assaulted and molested like three other friends of mine that I was like holy holy crap this is like he at this point it's a serial like I look back at my own experience and I was like this guy's like a serial rapist and something needs to be done so I went to um FSU title nine and I reported it and the case had started so they're basically like they're gathering evidence they're hearing my stories they're hearing the stories from the other girls and also at the same time, I was cast in a show called Tartuffe, and this was in spring. So I'm cast in the spring show, and he is also cast in a show called Macbeth. 
So he, I'm in Tartuffe and he's in Macbeth and it's directed by the same person. The same person also runs an improv class that me and the student are both in. So now I have a class with him oh, every day. So I'm in the beginning of the semester, I'm kind of just like looking at it from a very um, black and white perspective. I'm like, okay, I'm in a case and I have a class with this person every day, but it's fine and I'm going to keep myself together and it's going to be cool, whatever. Hopefully he gets kicked out of the school by the end of the year. So I go into Tartuffe and the rest of my cast is all his friends. And <laughs> so eventually it's starting to come out that I have a case against this person. His friends stop talking to me altogether. And so every, and rehearsals every day. So every single day I'm going into rehearsal with these people who just look at me and stare me down and don't talk to me. So I had no friends in that cast. So every day I'm going to rehearsal and no one's talking to me. And I was like, this really sucks. And I find out that the director of both of the shows, who is a grad student, he's like a 28-year-old guy getting his MFA in directing. Um, so he's a student, but he's it's so the dynamic is so weird. He's a professor, but he's also a fellow student, so we don't know if he like has control over us or anything like that. Um, he is friends with my rapist. And he heard about the reporting in the case, and he told the student that I have a case against him, which is against the rules. They're not supposed yeah. to know. You're not supposed to disclose any confidential information like that. So after um, the student found out that I have a case against him, shit just kind of like hit the fan where his friends were having snide comments at me, and I dropped the improv class because I just couldn't go to class with him every day. Um, so, but I'm still getting through it, and I'm still, you know, my, the only people who really knew what was going on were my close, close friends, and they were very supportive. So it was still, I was like, whatever, this sucks for my last semester of senior year, but I'm going to get through it. Um, and then shit hit the fan on the opening night of Tartuffe. So right before opening night, opening night is like Friday. Um, on that Thursday, we have something called theater night, which is, it's just for theater majors. So only the theater students come. And that's, that's the best show ever because that's, you take a shot beforehand and you go watch the show kind of tipsy and we all clap at everything. We laugh at everything. Um, you yell out your friend's name when they do, when they have their part. So that's like the most fun night. Um, and my part was super, super lame. I literally came out, didn't have any lines. I just did something funny right at the beginning and then I left and that's it. That's my whole part. Um, so I was getting ready, we were putting on the costumes, and of course it's like 1700s, like, dramatic play, so I'm putting on my corset, and I'm putting on all my layers, and my little bonnet. Um, so I'm getting ready, and of course I'm the first person who goes on stage, so I'm ready to go. Five minutes till opening, and all of a sudden his best friend says, Lauren, come here. And he didn't talk to me the whole rehearsal process, we ignored each other, like, he knows what's going on, I know what's going on, there's no need for us to talk. Um, he says, Lauren, come here. And I'm like, okay. So I go over and he just starts like intimidating me and berating me about the case. And he's like, um, you know, accusing someone of rape can ruin their lives. Right. And just shit like right before I'm about to go on stage. He doesn't talk to me all, all semester, but right before I go on stage. Yeah, let's really mess her up right before she's going to go. That's exactly what it was. And he's like, you need to stop accusing people of things, you don't have any evidence, just, you know, like, on and on and on, and I'm like, I'm not saying anything that's not true, and he's like, well, if you don't have anything to back it up, then blah, 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 and he was saying that he felt insulted because people were associating him with the student, so they were calling him a rape apologist, because if, sorry, if you're friends with a rapist, a known rapist, 
you're a rape apologist if you're still yeah. friends with that person. So I'm like, okay, if people are calling you that, that's what you are. Sorry. And, you know, he's we're getting into, like, a little bit of a heated debate. Um, and then other actors come over and they're like, not now, guys, not now. Which I find ironic because when the guy was berating me, no one stopped him. But then when I started defending myself, that's when people came in and pulled us apart. So then I immediately had to go on stage. I went on stage, did my thing. Um, of course, uh, the student is sitting front row looking directly at me. And he was also sitting front row the night before, our last rehearsal. He came to rehearsal and sat in the front row. Both times made eye contact with the student. So Jesus. I just fucking lose that. So when I finish my part, I, go, I um, come backstage, and I, that's it. I'm done for the whole show. So I take off my costume, and I'm straight up having a panic attack, which I've never had before. So I was just, like, hyperventilating, and I was shaking, and I was about to literally, like, burst into tears. Um and our backstage situation, it's not like a huge theater, so our backstage situation is just one long hallway. So there was nowhere for me to go. So I um, took off my costume, and I walked outside, and right outside is where my car is. So I just went, and I sat behind my car, and it was cold outside. And I was wearing, like, spankies and a tank top, no bra, like, no shoes. Um, and I just bawled my eyes out. Oh, and, wow. yeah, it's yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I was freezing. I was like, <laughs> um so, and while I'm outside, other actors are also coming outside to, like, warm up their voices and, like, stretch or whatever because there's not a lot of space backstage. Um, and I see them, and I'm, like, hiding from them. Um, but other actors went, went outside, too. It's not a not a not normal thing to happen. Um, so I got a text because I brought my phone out with me. I got a text from my stage manager, and she was like, where are you? People are looking for you. And I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. I had to step outside, but I'm coming in. And she's like, okay, come in by intermission. And I'm like, okay, I will. So I came inside and did my thing, and I bowed and whatever. So the next morning, I get a call from my stage manager, and she's like, uh, you have to talk to Michelle Diamanti. And Michelle Diamanti is like, she's not the director of the, of the SOT, the School of Theater at FSU, um, but she controls, like, the shows, and she controls, like, the classes. So she's kind of like assistant director, I'd say. Um, she's like, she needs to talk to you. And I'm like, if I'm kicked out of the show, tell me now. And my stage manager's like, I, I, I can't talk about it. Oh, and I'm God. like, what? So I call Michelle Diamanti, and she said, we are going to replace you with your understudy for the rest of the run, which that night was opening night, so basically the entire run. And I was like, why? What are you talking about? Why? And she was like, you can't go outside during the show. We have to remove you from the show. You broke actor's contract. And there is, there is a piece of paper that we get at the beginning of shows, and we sign it, and we say we're not going to, you know, disrespect the costumes, we're not going to disrespect each other, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's, there's nothing on that contract that says we cannot step outside. And I'm like, was that in our contract? Did I sign a contract that said that? Because I don't remember that being in the, in the contract. And she said, it's a safety issue. And I'm like, well, there was three other actors, this person, this person, this person, who are also outside. Are they getting this phone call right now? And she said, I can't speak to that. So I said, you know how ironic it is? Because this, this woman knew. I reported it to her first before I went to the official school, Title IX. She knew what was going on. She knew what the student did. She knew my story. She knew the report. Um, and I said, do you know how ironic it is that a rape victim is getting kicked out of a show because she had a panic attack about it, but the literal student that has been raping and assaulting students is performing in their show next week? Because his show opened the week after. Um... And she's like, I can't speak to that. You, you, should call, you should speak to Title IX. And I'm like, Title IX isn't doing this right now. You're doing this. You're kicking out a victim. In a, you're kicking a victim out of a show because she had a panic attack 
to being in a show with her rapist friend, and I just, you know, I kind of went off on her. And meanwhile, that contract was like, you need to respect each other. Yes. That fucking asshole's not respecting exactly. you. Exactly. And that's so what like, I said. Right before you go on. Yep. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, is the student who intimidated me into having a panic attack being punished? And she's like, that's not your concern. Like, we're, we're, she's like, she, everything I said, she literally said, I can't speak to that. I can't speak to that. And I'm like, you are the woman that I reported my rape to. How are you going to talk to me like this? And I just kind of lost it. Um, and she, I hung up on her. I was like, I don't fuck this so luckily I had my friends with me I had my close friends at the time and I'm just you know I'm crying because this is crazy and they're talking to me about it and we're all just talking about how this is insane like and and how rumors get started is there's going to be a rumor that all people are going to know is Lauren got kicked out of the show they're not going to know what happened they're not going to know why I had a panic attack they're not going to know um how the the school of theater handled my case mishandled my case so my friends are like you know what you need to set the record straight I'm like, you're absolutely right. So I got on Facebook, and I wrote a full post about exactly what happened, describing what happened theater night, what happened with my case, what happened with the student, the student who is still in classes, who is still in his show, and not only that, but got accepted to the London program for this coming fall, which is an honor. Like, you get accepted to the, you get to go study in London for a whole semester. You get to study acting in London. Um, Got accepted, even though he had a pending case against him, which shouldn't be okay. Um, so I just made a whole status about it, and I'm like, feel free to share this, and I thought I'd get, like, one or two people in the SOT, but the post blew up. I had, like, hundreds and hundreds of comments from people who went to FSU that were like, I'm not surprised, which sucks, and I've got hundreds, like, probably at least 200 Facebook messages from people who went to FSU, not even FSU, but the school of theater at FSU who said, this happened to me. I got assaulted, I reported it to the SOT, and nothing happened. The oldest woman was, like, 40 years old. Oh, my So gosh. I'm like, this is a systematic problem. Like, y'all just don't know how to handle this. And um, and things just kind of blew up. A million people, not a million, obviously, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it was, like, 500 likes and, like, 200 shares or something like that. Um, and it blew up, and everyone's commenting. And people started commenting on the FSU SOT Instagram Every time they posted a picture of Tartuffe, there was 600 comments, hashtag I stand with Lauren, um, which people just started. People started using that, and I'm like, this is so nice. Um, and then it brought to Twitter. I, po- I screenshot it, and I posted it on Twitter, and a bunch of people retweeted it from there and used the hashtag. Um, and, yeah, that's basically what happened. And from all that out, out roar of people, the SOT couldn't ignore it because we had patrons calling, threatening to take away money. Oh we had gosh. our big theater is called the Fallon Theater. Richard Fallon's grandson messaged me and said, this happened to me. This isn't okay. This is my grandfather's name on this school. This is not going to happen. He The guy whose theater, oh our theater God. is named after, called the school and said, what the heck are you guys doing over there? Which is amazing to me because you just see, you know, you see yeah. Richard Fallon and that's not a real person. But here is their grandchildren talking about how their grandfather's name should not be associated with this. So patrons called and demanded that they take money away because this is obviously a really bad look. Um, People demanded their tickets. They get refunds on their tickets from Tartuffe. People went to Tartuffe and during bows yelled, I stand with Lauren at the cast, which hilarious to me. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was just, it was wild. And because, so because of all the outrage about that, um, our, the director of the SOT, Cameron Jackson, he held a town hall. And he's like, you know what, we're going to all get together, we're going to all get together in the theater, 
people can write in anonymous questions people can ask questions people can submit questions online we're gonna have administration there we're gonna have title nine people there we're gonna have HR people there um, and we're all just gonna go and we're all just gonna ask each other questions and we're gonna figure out how this happened um, so we had the town hall and everybody's asking their questions and this is where my rapist's friends of course had to raise their hand and say doesn't someone creating a post about someone's actions create bias against the other person like yeah. yeah girl that was that was the point um <laughs> um but yeah so a lot of people went to the town hall and they asked really really good questions and they and from that like other sot issues came arise we were talking about a lot of stuff we were talking about how we don't feel comfortable with grad students because we don't know what their place is what our place is people were talking about their performance spaces they tell us that we're going to get a space to practice something and then they take it away um, there's a lot of racism in the SOT. We, the shows that are picked are not shows that we want to do. They're golden age musicals that have racial undertones that are just uncomfortable. And there's a lot of black students who get little microaggressions from teachers and all kinds of stuff like that. And that's what we talked about in the town hall, which was really cool. And I felt good about it. I felt a lot of solutions were presented. Like now every single faculty member, every single semester has to have, um, retraining about that's great. what consent is because you know, a faculty member that's been there for 30 years, when they learned what consent was, it's not what it is now, which is saying no does not mean convince me. If she's drunk, doesn't matter. If one of, like, if, you know, if she's unconscious, then, because people didn't learn that. 40 years ago, consent yeah. is, like, people thought rape was literally, like, I'm fighting you off in a dark alley, and you're yeah. just some masked man. And, like, 9 out of 10 times, that is not what happens. So... That was really cool. Now they're going to get training about what to do and how to handle students because oh, just our cases were mishandled so much. There were girls who reported it to their teachers, and the teachers are like, okay, I'll take care of it, and then they never Didn't did anything. anything. Oh, my gosh. So there's a lot of solutions being presented, so I'm hopeful about the SOT if they actually listen to these solutions. And it's hard, too, because it's now, like, you're graduated, mm -hmm. so yeah, they could just be like, oh, she's gone. No. And so exactly. you, like, don't know if they're going to really think, stick with it. I mm -hmm. think she made actual change, though. Yeah, yeah, there's all my friends, I'm, you know, all the people who were saying I stand with Lauren, my big thing was please don't let it change. Please don't let, my thing was please don't let people forget what he did and yeah. please don't let, please hold them accountable. They said that, like, with the racism issue of doing shows that are not, shouldn't be done in 2018. Yeah. Um, they made a solution of now there's going to be a student who gets to be on the committee to pick shows. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, that's not going to happen until next fall. Hold them accountable. Next fall, be like, where's our student representative? Because um, it can't happen this year, but it's going to happen next year. Um, so I'm telling them, like, hold them accountable. I'm like, keep keep the hashtags alive if that's what you want to yeah. do. But keep talking about Make it. Make sure and it doesn't don't let... fizzle out. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, don't forget what he did. Don't let him, you know, walk down the hallway and think that everyone forgot because I'm not there anymore. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a what a ride, right? Yeah. I can't imagine having that much courage to open up and then. Oh yeah. Thank you. Because I read her original post and it was yeah it was powerful it was visceral because she didn't leave the detail out she, yeah. like and when she said my rapist the way she said that she took ownership like that son of a bitch yeah, yeah. right there mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's what's nights. so important about mm -hmm. language that like you guys really understand yeah. with what you've done in school is like how to say things that really stick what you're trying to emote exactly the language you used really made us think it like Thank you. it took wow. me back i was like wow what a like yeah. well written and just yeah, well don't leave out the truth when she that was all truth yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah that was a that was a tough one but 
It was it, honestly, and people are asking me, they're like, "Do you regret it? Is there any part of it that you um, are uncomfortable with now?" And I'm like, any backlash I got, any uncomfortability, or any like me not, because there is a part of me that wasn't able to heal that whole semester because you know I was just constantly talking about it. Yeah. So now I'm back home and I don't have to talk about it every day. Now I can finally heal and I could finally like you know. Yeah. absorb and be like okay this fucked up thing happened to me but we're gonna figure it out and I'm not gonna let it control my life um but all of that all of the crappy things that happened as a result of it was totally worth all the change that happened and even though I'm personally not gonna get any justice from it like nothing's gonna happen with this student um most likely I highly doubt anything because I'm gone and then he's in London and you know I highly doubt anything's gonna happen for me but at least the program changed and at least the girls that come after me aren't gonna have to have it this way and have it this bad I think hopefully you know I hope that's so great like just, <laughs> no it's like makes me like really excited that there's these strong badass women saying Ooh, the future is, is good yeah there's hope exactly you know? so we're gonna start finishing up we want to ask you one last question um yeah. so what is just something that you would like your legacy to be I guess or what's something yeah. you just want people to know that you don't think they really understand. Hmm. Oh, I have a good one. Um, so at, when I went to FSU, there was definitely a culture of if you're not in the big spring musical, if you're not in the big fall show, then you're not as good as your peers, you're not as talented as your peers, you're not achieving as much as these people. And something I really learned by becoming friends with a really, really talented group of people is that you can make your own theater. You put a show in your apartment and people will come. Um, just creating art on your own and just writing your own stories and using your own, you know, using little cheap $10 clip lights to make a full production in your apartment is, to me, the best kind of theater. And even now, as I'm going into, like, the real world, I still want to create theater. And that's what I would want people to know is that you do not have to be in Guys and Dolls, the spring the spring musical with all the fancy, you know, all the fancy people as leads and whatever. You don't have to do that. Like, you can put on a show in your apartment and nine times out of ten it'll be more creative, it'll be more innovative, and it'll be more what people remember than, you know, if you, another production of, like, The Addams Family or just, something. Just something raw. Yeah, exactly. Something real. Well, even at work last night, the entire time we were working, we were not speaking in a real voice. No, we weren't. <laughs> We just did a fake accent for four hours. I would go... We were mixing them up, too. We were, like, Irish, Scottish, British. It was fun. No, it's fun to live yeah. a, like living your life the, with, like, theatricality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Put some exactly. flair in it. And I was doing fake accents to the customers. Just like, oh, yeah. that's great. You go yeah. to Taylor Young's in there. I'd scan yeah. it real fast there. And the best is the customers who are like, this is so fun. And other customers yeah. are like, what the, what the <laughs> heck oh, is would, going I, on? When I first started working at the store, I would do a different accent for each customer. Oh my gosh. I'll do. I'll lock with your bound there, man. Wonder bread. And <laughs> Wonder bread. I love it. I love it. But See, I mean, that's what's so cool is we don't. We're yeah. We're just doing this in my room. Yeah. And this but, is so fun. Exactly. This is yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. Like this is not like you. And don't like ever feel bad if you guys don't feel whatever because this is this is art yeah, you're making. And I just want to kind of end it saying that you inspire me so much. Me too, Lauren. Both in courage and dealing with pain and just. Even artistic ability. I just want to. I want to be a better actor, comedians, and a writer because you pulled through when you're fucking brilliant. And I can't. 
can't wait to see you on a Tide commercial saying, <laughs> got, got that stain. Got that stain. You don't that shit. Use the Tide. You got charisma. You got a smile. I'm really excited for you, and I can't wait to see what you do in the world. Well, and me I hope too. Like, so much. Hope to work with you later in life. Heck yeah, this man. Is, this is Project One. Maybe in five years. Project we'll be... One. We'll so, be on Project 20. Project yeah. 20. All right, guys. We always end our podcast by the way we end our phone calls. So we say love you, bye. Aww. So this has been the Talking Mules number three with our beautiful guest, Lauren Hermanson. <laughs> love you guys. One, two, go. All right. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. <laughs>